0: We're family together learning about this fantastic story of the Bible and we've come to, we've been and we are at this point here. We're coming to the story of the exiles and the prophets and uh, so my job in the, the next half an hour or so is to try to give you a helicopter view of this particular part of the biblical story uh, and I hope things that I say will encourage you and maybe challenge you to go and find out some more stuff about this um, yourselves as well. I'd like to begin with a story. Um, About uh, a a few years ago when I was about 13, um, um, (laughs) for for the the benefit of those on the podcast I look about 21, Um, uh, I I used to go to a a school in a town called Guildford and uh, does anyone know Guildford? Yeah, have you been to Guildford? And I used to, every day, I used to go to school by train uh, and on the way home I had to go from Guildford to a place called Aldershot and then when I got to Aldershot I had to get off the train and then wait for about 10 minutes and then the, train would, the next train would come in and the line would go to Aldershot, Farnham, Bentley and Alton and I would get off at Farnham, which is where I lived. And I did this every day that I went to school. So I knew the track, I knew the journey really, really well and did the same thing every single day. One day, I was at Aldershot, and, I was, uh, uh, and the train comes in, and you get on the train with a few other people. Uh, you don't need to listen to the because it always says the same thing. It says, the train at Platform 2 is going to Farnham, Bentley, and Alton. Uh, so we got on the train, and off we set. But after a few minutes, oh, so, and, and when we got to Farnham, the train did not stop. It slowed down. I don't know if they thought we were gonna jump off, but it just, it just carried on moving through it. And they'd never done that before. And we thought, this is, this is weird. And we carried on. We thought, well, we must be, for some reason, going to Bentley, because there isn't any, anywhere else that you can go. So we were carrying on. And after a little while, um, a gentleman in the, in the train said, no, we're, we're not going to Bentley. I know the road to Bentley, the track to Bentley, and this isn't it. So that was a real puzzle. Where on earth were we? The answer came about five minutes later, when we turned up in the dark and distant sheds. <laughs> and so this train stopped... Parked up, the lights went out, we looked out of the window and we saw the driver get out of his cab and go home. And there we were in this very dark carriage. And fortunately, there was another train parked up next to us with the lights on and there was a man, literally in a string vest uh, and trousers, (laughs) Um, uh, cleaning the windows like this. And there we were, waving on our side like this. And I can still remember his face and his words, to, words the effect of, my goodness gracious me, what are you doing there? (laughs) And he got out of his train and he came round, he let us out, we jumped down, so it was a long way down to the track, and then we had about a two-hour walk to get home. Because we didn't have mobile phones in those days. Um, We ended up in the sheds. I subsequently discovered, and this would have been help, this is a life lesson. When you are on a train station, listen to the announcement. (laughs) Because it turns out the announcement did not say Platform 2 is going to Farnham, Bentley and Alton. The announcement actually had said, do not get on this train. This train is not going to Farnham, Bentley and Alton. I was so convinced I knew the way. I was so convinced on the journey because i have been doing it day after day after day, month after month after month, Farnham, Bentley, Alton. Same thing, that I didn't listen to the announcement that told me, do not go on that train. And I think there's a voice of God this morning saying to us, listen. Listen to the announcements. Listen to what I'm saying to you this morning to avoid ending up in a place you do not want to be. Aaron told us last week about this cycle that the people of God had got into. Uh, And just breaking the stations down a little bit, it was a cycle of peace and then sin and then oppression and rescue, and then starting all over again. If you were here last week, you'll see that cycle. Think of it as a track that these people were getting on day after day after day, month after month, year after year, the same track. Oh, we're close to God. Oh, we've got it wrong. God will come and rescue us. Oh, we can get close to God. Oh, we've got it wrong. And the whole thing keeps on going. I've lost my thing. And into this situation, God brings a group of people called the prophets. Uh, And I haven't got time, unless you're willing to be here for about three hours, I haven't got time to go into every single prophet and what they were doing and where they were and who they were and what they said and so on. So I'm giving you a helicopter view. The the Bible course video for this week is really brilliant in terms of putting these prophets in, in, in place and order. But at this time, um, there were prophets operating in Israel. That's the northern kingdom. If you remember last week, the the kingdom had been divided. And then you've got a range of prophets um, prophesying in Judah. And some of them were specific to the southern kingdom. Some of them prophesied about both areas. But their message was very similar. It was, listen, you're going in the wrong direction. Do not go down this route. Do not go down this route of idolatry and sin and turning away from God. Do not go down this route. So you get people like Hosea, who say these cheery words. Oh, Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Judah, harvest of punishment, is also waiting for you. Okay? Not quite so encouraging if I said, turn to your neighbour and said, oh, John, uh, harvest of punishment is also waiting for you. <laughs> that would not be so encouraging, probably. Or you get Amos, uh, well, yeah. you get Amos um, in 752 BC. Come back to me and live. Don't worship at the pagan shrines of Bethel, for the people of Gilgal will be dragged off into exile. Or you get verses like this from Isaiah. So that my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. And these voices, these announcements, these train announcements, if you like, say, do not get on this train. People, do not listen. And in the northern kingdom... Uh, 722 BC, after years. It's not just once. They don't just say, you should get your act sorted out or else, and then, uh, and then they don't, and then it happens. There's years of warnings. Years of warnings. Those of you who are parents, here, how many of you have gone through that situation where you're trying to get a child to do what you want them to do? And you've tried everything, and they're not doing what you want them to do, so you go, I'll count to three. Okay, okay one. Two. Two and a half. <laughs> and they're still not doing it. eventually, eventually you get to three and you have to carry out what you said. But everything in you doesn't want to do that. And God's saying, I really want you to know me. I really want you to come back and live. But at the end of the day, they said no. And for the northern kingdom, they were invaded by the Assyrians. And as far as that kingdom was concerned, it was the end of the line. That kingdom did not survive. The southern kingdom had a bit longer to try and sort itself out. And so there were prophets like Jeremiah who would come along and say these things. So I will hand over my holy mountain as plunder to your enemies, for sin runs rampant in your land. So not only had they seen what had happened to the northern kingdom, they'd also got uh, people like Jeremiah coming and warning them about what was going to happen. But they didn't listen. And so, uh, over a period of time, it wasn't all in one go. Uh, a, a number of occasions, eventually, the, the people of the southern kingdom were taken away into exile. They were taken, invaded by the Babylonians and taken off to Babylon. It's a really dark time. It's a really dark time. And just before we go any further, I just want to be really clear about what we, are and not, what we are saying and what we're not saying this morning. We're not saying, please do not hear this, that if you're going through a dark time, if you're suffering, if you feel distant from God or in a dark place doesn't automatically mean you're sitting in a place of disobedience and dis, uh, you know, this, this, this time, so this is the biblical narrative we're looking at. And it may well be that, that you're in this dark place because you're being attacked by the enemy and we need to stand with you and claim that victory. But there may be people here this morning who you know you're hearing that voice that says, don't do that, don't do that, don't go on that journey, don't go on that track, don't stay on that track. You know, it may be something you've heard, in, you've heard friends say to you, don't do that. Don't use language like that. Don't drink like that. Don't use this on the computer. Don't do that on your finances. Whatever it happens to be, don't treat people this way. Be honest at work. Whatever it happens to be, and you've not listened. And the word this morning I want to bring to you is listen. Listen to those voices. Listen to your friends. Listen to the Bible. Listen to things that are said within the context of church. Listen and respond. So we have this dark place. Turn to the person next to you and say, I hope it gets better. <laughs> okay, uh, so the answer is no. <laughs> no, it doesn't get better, because at the moment, because <laughs> what happens, what happens is, is, is you end up with some books in the Bible where, where they reflect and they, they just realise what a mess they've made of things. And so you get books like Lamentations written at the start of this exile period. Um, And they sing sing things like this. All the majesty of beautiful Jerusalem has been stripped away. You know, you don't see many inspirational posters from the Book of Lamentations (laughs) on your fridge. It's it's a tough thing. And in the Psalms, some of the Psalms are written at this period. And you get these ones here. We don't need to sing this one. But by the rivers of Babylon, (laughs) we sat down and wept. And it's interesting, as I was saying, as I popped up earlier, I think there's something in the message today around music and around poetry and the power of music and the power of poetry and the power of words to put into our hearts or to express what's in our hearts in our situations. And we're greatly blessed to have musicians in the church and people who can sing and lead us in that way because it really helps us connect our spirit with God's spirit. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing people connecting with God's spirit. And there's this wistfulness. There's this desire to, have, to go back to a time when things were better. Can you identify with that yearning. There's a song written by the Irish folk band called The Cause. I don't know if you know them. And it was released a few years ago. And it was very rare for me. The first time I heard it, there was something in the chorus that connected with my spirit. And the chorus says this. It's only a a long road to Eden, a mountain to climb, but I'm going to find my way back home. It's a long road to Eden, a mountain to climb, but I'm going to find my way back home. And I thought there was something true in that. And I thought there was something sad in it. There's something true because we all look back to Eden. We look back and we can see it on that timeline. We look back to that time where there was no problems. There was no sin. There was nothing wrong. There was no death. There was no exploitation or poverty. Everything was good as God had created it to be. And we wonder, can we ever get back to that place? Can we ever get there? So that's true. It's also true there's a mountain in the way. There are so many problems in our society, so many different things. And we just can't see our way back. To how it used to be that better time so those things were true but then the sad line i'm going to find my way back home as if there's something that i can do there's something i can do to make this mountain disappear or i can climb and get over the top of this mountain and back to where i want to be and i can tell you there's no politician there's no monarch in this world who can do that and god is in the business of restoring god is in the business we've seen the timeline and he doesn't take us back to eden he takes us forward to new creation He takes us back to a time when there will be no suffering, there will be no problems, there will be no tears. And he takes us forward into that time. And it's that music that allows us to connect with that. I had a very surreal experience a couple of weeks ago. Um, One of the privileges of being in leadership at school is I get to, every so often, I get to run the two-hour Friday evening detention. (laughs) You know, talk about a dark and distant place. (laughs) A dark and distant detention with Mr. Allen on a Friday. It's for, and I was there with Key Stage 3 students to kind of like teach me, if you dare, for a good, uh, contingent. And I thought, well, oh, what are we going to do for two hours? Am I going to sit and stare at them and submit them into silence for two hours? I don't think that will work. Uh, what should we do? So I took along a, a, um, uh, a, a, a questionnaire. Took along a questionnaire. And um, I, 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 I said, so it was one of these questionnaires where you have uh, about... Uh, 35 questions, and you say, I like playing uh, outside, or I like making things. And you give yourself a score, do you know the kind of thing? And then you group them together, and you end up what your preferences are, and your not so preferences, and things like that. So we did that, and I managed to make it last an hour and a half, hour and three quarters. <laughs> and, we got there. and eventually we got to this point where they knew what their strengths were, what their, what their preferences were, and so on. And we were just bringing it to a close. We'd been there for about an hour and three quarters. And I was just talking to them about being a whole person. And I was saying, you know, if you take your strengths and you take your weaknesses, you take the things that you can learn and you can improve on your weaknesses and you become a whole person, you become a complete person, become the person you're supposed to be, that's a great thing. So I was describing this to our Teach Me If You Dare, Key Stage 3, and all of a sudden they started singing. Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) They started singing. Can you join with me if you know this one? He's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole wide world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands and i said i wasn't expecting that <laughs> <laughs> He days through, i said where did that come from and they just said we used to do that at primary school and there was something in them in that dark and distant place with Mr. Allen on five o'clock on a Friday afternoon that took them back to a better place. (laughs) Took them back, and not only that, we did it in the context of worship, which I was not expecting. (laughs) There is something in the power of music, so thank you, uh, the, the team this morning and the team every week who lead us in music because the words of the songs that we sang this morning could not put any better the words that I'm speaking to you now. And now I hope that the words we sang earlier and the words we'll sing later really connected with you because it's the same message, it's the same thing. It's God speaking into our hearts this morning saying, listen, I've got a message for you. And so during that time of exile, you've got another group of prophets, people like Obadiah, Jeremiah, Daniel and Ezekiel who are, are talking to them about hope. They say, yes, we know why we're here. We understand that, but let's not dwell on that now. Let's start to build up confidence again. Let's start to remember that God has not forgotten us. God has not left us alone. God is with us. He hears the cry of his people, just like he did in Exodus. And so you'll get verses like this in Ezekiel. And I've just tried to kind of indicate roughly whereabouts on this timeline these things happen. Because what you'll see is there's, they're spread throughout the period. Um, it's, it's very difficult to kind of do it in a linear way. But just to see where they come on. So Ezekiel says this. Think about that um, cause song. When I bring you back, people will say, this former wasteland is now like the Garden of Eden. Or the verse, one of my favorite verses, which sometimes gets truncated to a career's guidance verse, or a guidance verse, which is not really designed for that, because it's written to this people in Israel wondering what's going on. They've been moved from their their land, They've, they've had their land taken away from them, that God had promised them. They've had their temple taken away from them, which is the promise of the presence of God. They've had their culture taken away from them and their rituals and their routines. Everything is a crisis of identity. And so Jeremiah prophesies into that and says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So they speak words of hope into this dark and distant place. And sure enough, after about 70 years, they do begin to return. They return to the land that God had promised them. They return and rebuild the temple. It doesn't happen overnight. And there are problems along the way. But they do return. And God has still not left his people because he produces another set of prophets, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi, who come along after the exile and continue to speak. They continue to warn, but they continue to speak. So there's that presence of God all the way through. So whatever we're facing this morning, whether you know, we feel dark and distant because we're doing something wrong, or whether we feel dark and distant, because there's something going on in our lives, we feel under attack, whatever it happens to be. know this this morning, and listen to what God is saying, is that I believe God is saying is, "I am with you all the way through this. I have not abandoned you. I am with you." So it's getting better, isn't it? We've got room for one more, okay? because this is where it gets even better. And this is the thing that I find so exciting about looking through the prophets is that in addition to all of this, in addition to promising hope, in addition to promising that they will go back to their land and that there is a hope and a future for them, you also find pointers to Jesus. All the way through, you find pointers to Jesus. My prayer in the next five, ten minutes is to be able to point you to Jesus. Let's point ourselves to Jesus. Then we're going to sing, and we're going to allow music to, to stir our spirits and respond to God. Because these verses in Micah, for example, um, uh, spoken well before any of these things happen, speak of hope. They say, among you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, through you, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Verses we read at carol services time and time again. And there may be somebody here this morning who just needs to hear that word to say, Jesus was born. God is not a distant God who stays in heaven and watches the mess that we get into and folds his arm and says, I told you so. He doesn't do that. He's not like the driver in my train who just gets out, shuts the door and goes home. He's the driver, he's the man in the string vest who comes and says, let me help you out of this. Let me get you back on the right track. Jesus came into our world as a baby. He lived, he he grew up as as a young man. He knows what it's like to be in the situations. That we are in. Jesus was born, he came down from heaven, and he lived. Isaiah 61 tells us about the sorts of things that Jesus would do. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that prisoners will be freed. Words that Jesus himself spoke as he went into the temple when he was on earth. And they speak to us about the ministry of Jesus. And the message from God this morning is not only was Jesus born, he grew up and he ministered, he served amongst the people he reached out to the brokenhearted he reached out to the poor he healed the sick he proclaimed freedom to people he released them from oppression and demons and all sorts of things he gave value to those who had felt they had no value he gave worth to those who felt they were worthless he said you matter you matter you matter he said the kingdom of God is here right now and some of us need to hear that this morning the kingdom of God is here right now And sometimes we need to go to God and we need to say, God, I really need your help in this particular situation. Please, will you help me? And God will hear our prayers. But also we need to go to other people. We need to go to the army around us, the family that we're part of. And we need to say, you know what? I'm going through a really tough time. Will you be Jesus with skin on me? Will you pray for me? Not just for five minutes at the end of the service, but will you journey with me on this journey that I'm on? Will you keep me on the right track? Will you help me listen to God? Will you pray for me on a regular basis? Can we meet up for coffee? We need that from one another. We all need that. So yes, we need to call on Jesus and reckon, look to Jesus as the example of the ministry. But we also need to be that ministry. We need to be that to ourselves and to other people in the world around us. So he promises, that, so the prophets promise a ministry from God. Zechariah, a bit later on in the process, or right towards the end as they come back from exile, says this See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. Salvation was a really loaded word in those times because salvation wasn't just a Christian term. It was a term for any king or ruler who had achieved something fantastic, had gone in, freed a a land, saved a land, released them from oppression, taken over, call it what you will. And they would arrive and they would bring salvation. That would be good news to the people who were under oppression. Lots of kings did that. But this one is different. Because this is not a triumphant, look at me, aren't I wonderful, salvation. This is a gentle, riding on a donkey, salvation. It's not what they were looking, that's not what they would be expecting from what, they've, what they thought of as a king. But the message is, Jesus brings salvation. Today, to you, to me. Every day, Jesus brings salvation. And the way he brings that was told by Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. The way that Jesus uh, brought salvation was through the cross. It was through suffering, it was through humiliation, it was through rejection. That's why he knows what it's like to feel those things. And when he hung on the cross, he took upon every bad thing you have thought and I have thought, every bad thing you have done and I have done, everything that you will or do and I will do, he took all of that on the cross, he absorbed that into himself, if you like. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. sure because if they did, they wouldn't be doing it. (laughs) If they knew they were on the wrong track, they wouldn't be doing it. And so he was pierced and he died. And so there is no sin. There is no turning away. There is nothing this morning that I or you can do or say that is bigger than the sacrifice Jesus has made for you. I bet you're really glad that you didn't have to bring a chicken this morning. (laughs) to, To sacrifice, to make yourself feel better and restore your relationship with God. Because we don't need to do that anymore. As we're working our way through, read scripture, and we're in that bit of the, as Aaron was saying, there's a lot of splattering going on at the moment in read scripture. There's a lot of sacrifice. And there's a lot of very detailed instructions about how to respond to, how to to get back on track with God. Jesus comes through and says, you don't need any of that. Just need me. Just need me. Thank God for that and for chickens. (laughs) And then this. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life. Because the fantastic news is that Jesus did conquer death. Sorry, he did conquer sin on the cross, but he also conquered death. And as Jonah reminds us, three days later, he came back. Three days later, Jesus defeated death. He defeated the powers of sin, he defeated everything. So I do not need to fear death. I might not look forward to it, and I might not enjoy it. I might not want it, but I don't have to fear it because Jesus offers me new creation. He offers me something completely better and new and fresh and all more, even more wonderful than Doctor Who. Um, unbelievable. <laughs> Just had to get it in there somewhere, John, didn't I? <laughs> are we pleased about that? Yes. I think we are. And, and I sensed that this morning as we were singing. I sensed there was that sense of delight that God would do that for us. And we want to respond to that. And the Lord will be king over the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. And his name alone will be worshipped. Aaron referred to this last week. He is the one we come to. He is the one we bow before. He is the one we give authority to over our lives. He is the one at whom every knee will bow one day. He is the one that we want to follow. And all of this, and we haven't even got to Matthew. All of this. So there's this. One. I want to finish with just two thoughts, if I may. And then we're going to sing and respond. First of all. I don't know if you know various series, Doctor Who is one of them, but there are many others that you can watch. Um, uh, these, these episodic series, and you, you get about 12 or 20 episodes in a row, um, and, uh, you, and, and what happens is you, each episode is, is, is good in its own right, you can watch it and follow it and it's fine. But if you follow the series, they have what's called a story arc. Do you know what I mean A the story arc? So there'll be little things early on in the season where they just have a line or a, a character or an event that might happen. And and you think, oh, I wonder what that's about. It doesn't seem to connect with the rest of the episode. And then a few weeks later, you'll get another reference to it and so on. And as you go through, the the references get more frequent and more explicit until you get to the season finales where it all becomes clear and it's all resolved. Do you know the kind of thing that I mean? Yeah. Okay. So you just build to this crescendo in this finale of all these little things that have been uh, dotted in all the way through. But they've started doing a relatively new thing, which is very annoying. What they do is they build all these things up until about halfway through the season, and then there's an episode with a big reveal uh, that helps you move, think, oh, great, this this is going to be fantastic, what's coming up next? And then they have a mid-season break, (laughs) and it's not on. Young Sheldon hasn't been on for weeks. (laughs) You know, you think, what's what's happened? Where is it going to be? And then, uh, you know, weeks or months later, they'll start the season again. And that's where we are in the story of the history of the Bible and the people of God, because we've had this time and we've got Malachi and, and Ze- Zechariah and Zephaniah and so on telling us there's going to be this saviour there's going to be this king there's going to be this messiah he's going to come and sort everything out and then he goes quiet It goes quiet for uh, 400 years nothing happens must have been really frustrating, mustn't it? You know, imagine coming to church and you say to somebody you know what, I'm really struggling today I really need God to work in my life and suddenly you say, that's fine come back in 400 years <laughs> I will sort it out for you. That can be really tough. But well, the great news is, we don't live there. We live there. We live the other side of Jesus and the Gospels, and Aaron will be uh, taking us through that next week. That's where, that's where we are uh, next week, because you don't have to wait. You don't even have to wait until next week to receive Jesus. Do it here today, now. You don't have to wait until, um, uh, until the end of the service. you can do it now. Jesus is available.